0: Hi, everybody. It's Richard Beatty, and you're listening to Mind Matters, and we are so thankful for our listeners. We have seen some great growth, and we have heard some great stories about people impacted by some of the stories that they've heard because your mind does matter. And so we love to hear from you. We have just started a new ministry, and it's Mind Matters Ministries. In order to do these broadcasts, we need your help. And so, Rita, tell us what, you're, what you've what you been thinking about Mind Matters Ministries.
1: Yeah, I'm really grateful for uh, the listenership we've developed, and I'm praying that people have been helped through our ministry here. Uh, I originally, as you know, started Heartline uh, Podcast a number of years ago, and my heart is the same thing with Mind Matters, too provide relevant content to educate, equip, and engage the culture in the awareness of how mental health issues are affecting all of us out there. And we've had some pretty notable guests on the show, and we're going to have some exciting people uh, in the coming year. And so I want to stick to that that mission. Uh, I, I just love this idea of people being able to be helped with some of the best minds in the country. Our guests are learned and wise, scholarly people. And so I hope, again, that you are enjoying this show. And if there's anything you'd like us to do, please send us a note, uh, any topic you'd like us to cover. But this show does cost money to run, Richard, as you know with our nonprofit ministry, uh, we'd like to ask you to consider prayerfully giving to Mind Matters Ministry to keep this show on the air. Any amount would help us out. So with the end of the year coming and a new year approaching, I pray that you would prayerfully consider us.
0: We'd love to hear from you. I'm Richard Beatty. Drop Rita a line at RitaSchulte.com. That's S-C-H-U-L-T-E. And as always, we thank you for your support. Mind is a terrible thing to waste
1: You cannot define yourself in reference to other external coordinates You must define yourself internally with your relationship with a higher entity Stop it! I'm
0: sorry? Stop it! Stop it? it. Yes! S-T-O-P New Word this week on Mind Matters, it's time to turn down the noise and listen to what really matters. Join counselor and author Rita Schulte and me, Richard Beatty, in renewing your mind, because your mind matters. So come on in and join us.
1: Jenny, welcome back. And thank you for sharing your story last week uh, for our listeners Today, we're going to uh, be continuing our discussion, but talking about your new book, From Trauma to Transformation. So, I'm curious, what made you want to write this? So, we heard your story in the last show about your husband's infidelity 30 odd years ago. What did you want folks to get from this new book?
2: Well, I think as I've aged and gone through more seasons of my life, And learned that, you know, there is a lot to learn from trials and trauma in life. Certainly that was evident when I went through that first traumatic life event of my husband's sexual addiction. But as life went on and particularly in the last um, three years, what I've recognized since Mark's passing is that 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 has really become the most traumatic experience I've lived with so far. And um, I, I am aware that I am learning more profoundly and experiencing God's love and his plan for any of us as we move through really traumatic things in our life, that he does not want to waste our pain and that he does have a plan for growing us up and not leaving us incomplete in any way if if we will join him on that journey. And so my work in post-dramatic growth, which came out of my master's program and um, my research project, combined with our biblical truth, and I love James one two through four, for instance, that talks about this exact thing. Post-dramatic growth couldn't be spoken in a clear method out of our our scripture. Is that we we could count a joy when we face trials because. If we do, and, and if we lean into that, we know that God will use that to grow us up and not leave us incomplete. Um, what I experienced in my life and having those resources and beginning to ask that question instead of why me, which is so easy to ask when hard things happen to you, um, but instead asking what, Lord, would you have me learn has led me to really counsel in so many different ways with women over particularly the last 20 years. And I've gained just a lot of experience in working with women and helping them on that road to unfocus on the trauma itself, eventually, to learn what they can learn for themselves and how they can grow and change to really love who they are more, to grow deeper in their relationships, to grow their faith and to just really know that this hard thing, while I wish I didn't have to deal with that, has led me to a very different life today. It's the both and, as I talk about a lot in my book, that um, we can have distress and trauma and we can also experience great growth from that. So my book was really an attempt to put a lot of these, I call them interventions or little experiences I work with and teach women that I that I counsel, um, thinking that if I, I put them in a book, I, I think a lot of people could read these things and and start to work on a lot of this themselves without having to be in a counseling process. Of course, I, I don't know that it, I would recommend it totally. I think it's always good to have kind of a personal trainer along the way um, to have some feedback. And a lot of it is just real practical stuff in terms of how to, how to change your life and grow through anything hard. It doesn't have to be massively traumatic. It can be, you know, I haven't been able to talk to my mom for weeks and weeks or um, I'm always fighting with my boss at work and it doesn't feel good. It disturbs my peace. And so then what do I do? So trials and adversity are with us all the time. And I believe a lot of the practical things that I talk about in my book can help people to um, figure out some ways that they can change everyday kind of situations that are are burdensome and painful to them.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes, especially women of, you know, our generation, they get so morphed into their husbands that they lose some of their self and their own identity and mm-hmm. I think that's one of the, the most difficult things. And and maybe that's a generalization, but I was talking to a client yesterday about this very thing that you can choose about your own life and develop, enlarge your world. You can grow and move forward uh, in ways that you may never have thought possible because you believe you can't live without him. And yes. the truth is, while it might be painful, you can do it because God's got this, and He mm-hmm. wants us to grow individually. Uh, He wants to be our everything. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really, you know, very powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, I I guess what I was thinking, you know, even from our last uh, chat last week, what do you think about women, you know, having the right to divorce when a husband has or is addicted to pornography? Because I see many women who feel as if their husband has had a physical affair. Mm-hmm. And they see it as an infidelity and they want out of the marriage. Mm-hmm. I mean, how how do you deal with I mean, I'm sure you get a lot of people that are ambivalent. They don't know what to do.
2: You yes. yourself
1: said you Russell, Should I leave? Should I stay? What should I do? Here? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, just so you know, Rita, I, I never give advice to women one way or the other about that question, because I don't believe that question belongs to me. I um I really long to work with women to help them hear that spiritual direction within themselves. And I know for a lot of people, that is really hard to conjure up how in the world you do that. And so I would like to think that some of my experience here over the years is leading them to know how to look for that. And it sometimes starts as simply as slowing down your life so that you can feel what you feel and you can Question and be an observer of what you're thinking and ideally what you're going to need. I, I do believe that our feelings are huge messengers to what we need. And I know in a lot of spiritual church congregations, messages, we're told to, you know, not pay attention to our feelings. I don't happen to believe that's a truth. I mean, if if we were supposed to have feelings and I don't believe God would have equipped us to have them. But I do know that a combination of understanding what I'm feeling, which leads me to know what I'm needing, and then also bringing in my thought processes about that is a great combination for figuring out my next right steps. Um, I think it, it's very clear that when I'm inviting the spirit into that, and I do make a decision about just a next right small step, uh, when when it is of the spirit, you know, we are told that peace will come to us. And that is exactly what I feel, relief or peace, as do my clients. And when it's not of the spirit, I, I believe our peace gets disturbed, and so I use those words a lot. It's like, it, is my peace disturbed to today? And if so, there is something that is calling for my attention to do something or say something different than what I'm doing in the moment. It's a wonderful way to kind of take very big issues and and make them small enough that I can find a practical step just for today. Mm. And that's where I think God is trying to meet us. Stop worrying about the future. stop future tripping, He tells us. I want you to pay attention to me and today and how I'm going to lead you today and we'll worry about tomorrow when tomorrow comes. Mm. And so that to me is a much helpful, more helpful, journey for a wife to bring her back to that place rather than should I stay or should I leave if she's not sure I often tell her you're not ready to make a decision because when when it is absolutely right for you to make a decision to do something you will know undoubtedly Mm -hmm. how will I know I said just trust me I've worked with enough women to know they come to me and say you know what I can't do life like this for one more day, and I need to do something different. That doesn't necessarily mean divorce. It could mean I need some time away from this very chaotic or toxic situation. And sometimes that's what she needs. Sometimes she needs to be in a community with more safe women to be able to be heard about some things and to be validated for what she's doing. Sometimes she needs to remove herself sexually from the relationship because she doesn't know if her husband is even sober or even wanting to be sober, you know, there are lots of next steps that can be smaller, much smaller than divorce. And uh, yeah, I think,
1: I think that's, that's beautiful. And that's basically, you know, what I tell folks, I think that uh, small steps and that God's going to put it on your heart. You're going to know what you're supposed to do for sure. No question. And mm-hmm. you can have that peace um uh, what do you do with the anger? How do you, uh, how does a, a woman avoid letting this anger get the best of her? Mm-hmm. Cause anger is, is, you know, justified. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure. Yes, you know, it you is. Said, and, went you right? know, I mean,
2: yeah, I do believe there is a lot of righteous anger that comes from being betrayed this way. Having a relationship that you, um, more or less just, dis- figured was exclusive with your husband to now be shared with others, whether it's emotionally or physically, either way is incredibly hurtful to someone. And so there is righteous anger. And I think some of that I recommend we figure out ways to uh, offload in other ways, so that when we bring back our emotions with our spouse who created this pain, he might be able to hear it better than if we're totally out of control with our anger. Um, what I know is, no one generally is is uh, built to stay with a person who is yelling at you, screaming at you, yelling profanities, hitting you, whatever. We do know within us that we fight that and we move away from that. So, women that would like to be heard about their anger and just doing it in whatever uncontrolled way that might be generally find that they're not very heard and understood. Mm -hmm. If they can offload some of that, which is where groups of other women, safe women who understand this journey, ideally professionally led so it can be controlled and not just husband bashing kind of community, I think have some of that managed over on this other side. There may be other physical things she can do. I love um, recommending egg throwing to women and if people I know it was it was in my newsletter recently and uh, they can read it in my book but you know it sounds crazy and it can be incredibly helpful or um, you know at a woman that that got a dumpster because she was cleaning out her basement and she realized man that was a great way to work on her anger management and you know so uh, there be are lots creative. of things. Yeah. Be creative. be creative. Yes, there are lots of ways of doing that, um, but also I would say that it's important again to understand that anger is an emotion, and there are needs attached to that. Yeah, and if we can also have the emotion, but understand what I need, um, it could be something like I need you to admit that you have a problem and you're willing to go after this. I don't want this just to be my problem that I don't like it. I need you to own that. Or I I need you to be engaged in this recovery program. Or I, I need to sit down and hear from you on a regular basis, a check-in about your sobriety with me. I don't want to have to ask you about that. Or I need to not be sexual until we've both been tested for STDs. Mm-hmm. And I know that you've been sober for a period of time so that I can trust giving you my body in that way. Lots of needs come from our anger. And the sooner we can, can attach our needs and speak about those and have them listen to, I think also our anger can dissipate. The last thing I would say is that I think for some of us, we are more inclined to show up with anger than we are sadness and there are others of us who show up more with our sadness and we have more difficulty connecting with our anger that is a lot about our our own history not about the situation when you kept asking me didn't i get angry i was one of those people who was much more connected to sadness and and then anger and it's almost like i had to work a bit on letting myself get to that place authentically mm. um, and so You know, I think, again, that's just something for someone to explore for themselves so that they understand that. I've had many women that say, hey, in my family growing up, anger, being angry and being loud was the only way you could be heard in my family. You know, we had a lot of kids. The louder you were, hopefully the more you got heard. Um, In my family, no anger. I never saw anger in my family. That's not how we did things, you know. So we all have histories about how we do that. And we have some learning to do to be safe in our emotions so ideally our spouse can hear those.
1: What about uh, questions because you know women want to ask a lot of questions when there's been I mean obviously sexual infidelity an affair or whatever or pornography like is there a limit where you know okay we're just not going to ask all these details. This is not good for us or, you know, healthy for us.
2: Yeah. One of the things I notice, Rita, is that when a wife has a lot of questions, it's, a, it's kind of a notice to me that she needs what we would call full disclosure. Full disclosure and the process we use at Faithful and True is about a spouse who has been unfaithful uh, building a timeline of his life from birth to the present in five-year increments. And then with the help of a therapist, um, helping him know what to include in those five-year increments, we meet with her and I also do some preparation with her. Um, We meet and he offers that information to her with the kind of details that generally she is looking for. And so, you know, when you ask men generally, does your wife know everything? More often than not, he might say, yes, you know, she knows everything. When we do preparation this way with someone, I guarantee you there are more things we're going to want to have him talk about than he feels is necessary. The goal of this is a number of things. One is that he is offering information rather than her asking questions. Asking questions does not build trust. It just doesn't. Because what a wife is going to believe is I just didn't ask enough questions or I asked the wrong questions. Um, it's kind of a Clinton issue, you know, with <laughs> with his affair. You know, she mm-hmm. he asked the wrong question. We asked the wrong questions and we got the answer from that. Offering information is what ideally she wants, not only about his story of infidelity, but ideally moving into the future Offering what he is doing, being a total truth teller, telling her what he's feeling, thinking, needing, that's offering and initiating also. So we do that in a full disclosure process. And um, I believe with her ability to ask questions also at the end of that, in case there are stragglers or there's more information she's needing about something he shared, it gives her an opportunity to to live in her reality during those years. Now, does that mean she can never ask a question again? We don't believe that that's healthy. Um, We, again, want to visit if it's like too many questions, repetitive questions. Now and again, that's where support groups or therapy groups become helpful and a counselor becomes healthy about helpful about why is this happening and is this helpful and how can we manage this in a in a healthy way
1: yeah and i think also preparing and helping people with triggers that might you know come down the road yeah. because they're going to come
2: oh and absolutely so
1: helping yeah. a client learn you know to self regulate to understanding yes. what they may be doing to perpetuate a cycle why am i reacting so strongly to this you know that's that's my stuff i've got to be in process you know myself with that
2: Yes, it, yes, that's really and, important. Yeah, figuring out how to manage triggers is a is a big part of getting well emotionally for any of us. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, we're not talking about it today, but the book, Seven Desires, that my husband and I wrote together, um, speaks specifically about how to talk about triggers, how to take those thoughts captive, mm-hmm. and, um, and to be able to share why you're triggered. What are you thinking? You know, what's a story in your head? That stories are often not true but we live from those perceptions and yeah. those meanings we make and yes. then we don't check them out and then we're in trouble cuz you know we're living with a lack of truth about what's going on yeah. so there's definitely a method for working with triggers that can be very helpful and help you help you as a couple to talk about difficult things without getting into questioning blaming Telling another person what to do, those are never very uh successful when we're trying to build intimacy in our relationship.
1: Mm. I love this quote in in the book that you use from Henry now, and it says, "Our glory is hidden in our pain. If we allow God to bring the gift of himself and our experience of it, if we turn to God, not rebelling against our hurt, we let God transform it into greater good,
2: yeah. That's powerful. It's really the essence of this journey. You know, it uh, really is the end of our life. I mean, no one is excluded from pain. And um, as I said, I I think um, the the more traumatic things get, and I think that's why writing this book now after losing Mark has led me even into a deeper journey with the Lord. Uh, Many of us know intellectually all these things. He's always with you. He'll give you all the desires of your heart, all those things. But whether we live them out is quite another story for most of us. And I don't believe that some, until we're in enough pain from our trials and trauma in life, do we get to practice experiencing what it's like to have God really in our life. And and of course, now I, I don't have my spouse to give me anything for the most part. Those desires we talk about, I don't have someone to talk to to speak with, to write with, to play with. Um, and you know, it's part of my journey with God and my prayers daily is how, you know, you tell me to delight in you and you will give me all the desires of my heart. How is that going to happen when I'm in seemingly such a lonely and alone place? And it's been amazing how he has shown up in that way for me in these last three years. And, um, and I love watching that and growing that. And it's still an ampersand. I still very, very much miss my husband. And um, and I know that even at the end of every day, when I'm getting ready for bed, I often just kind of summarize my day in my mind and, you know, thank God for, you know, I, it was a very joyful day today. I just need you to know. And I, I still miss my husband. But I'm amazed at how much joy I experience and have through my work, my friends, my family, Um, even like this meeting you, Rita, and leading to this talk with you today. I mean, um, God has continued to bless me in so many different ways. So I'm clinging to that and knowing that even my own journey of growth and transformation from this latest traumatic event is still yet to be seen completely and so um, I wait anxiously to see how he's going to work in my life.
1: Mm. You're an amazing lady. And hey, we're, we're grateful you stay, Debbie, mm-hmm. because look at what God has done and birthed, not only in your marriage that was restored, but in the ministry and all the lives you've touched. I mean, it's just such a beautiful example, um, you know, of, of what God can do if we open ourselves up and don't get swallowed up by our, our hurt and our pain leading to bitterness. And so, yeah.
2: yeah. just so Well, grateful. I appreciate, appreciate it, Rita. I, I've often said, I think God must have a huge sense of humor because if there was any naive girl who never in my family even talked about sexuality, um, even pregnancy, I remember my cousin one time was pregnant and, you know, we didn't even use that word. It's like, of all people to choose to go, you know, he's not like he chose me to go through it, but he allowed it to happen. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of funny. When I think about it now, looking back, I mean, whoa, Um, I I, was such an eye opener. I knew nothing about anything. So um, there was a lot for me to learn about the world and the pain in the world. And I have just a different filter for people who are struggling and just You know, there's no judgment about that. What I know too is there's pain that leads everybody to do what they do that's not consistent with the person they want to be. And amen,
1: it's so driven by pain and the needs. I love everything you talk about in this book, Trauma Transformation, of the whole beliefs piece. I'm so big on that because beliefs, what you believe is gonna determine how you behave. It's gonna guide your actions. And so many of the things that, people believe that these men believe women believe are lies from the pit yeah. of hell.
2: Yeah. So, yeah.
1: you know, helping folks and, and the cool thing about beliefs is they can be changed or they can be modified. Feelings just are what they are, like you said. Yes. Right. But right. we can do something with that. It's just do we yeah. have that willingness uh and are we are we going to trust God uh, you know, through these dark nights of the soul. Yeah. Yeah. Richard, anything else from you, a question or
0: no, I'm uh, just sitting here in awe of this conversation. This has just been a wonderful conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh it's a hard conversation. Uh and I I uh, I think this um it is it, it's it's just um it, it is a conversation though that leads to um uh, peaceful resolution uh and mm-hmm. and maybe saving a, a lot of marriages out there too.
1: Amen. I hope so. I hope so. That's, that's what we want to do for sure. Well, we can, So either of these books, uh, they can get on your website
2: or what an Amazon, the Amazon and Baker publishing books.com also. Well, they sell my latest book uh, Zondervan who is now Harper Collins published my first book. So um, Amazon awesome. carries all of them, of course, and our, our bookstore and our website carries them as well.
0: We could thank do a whole so show on the uh, the publishing today. business and and all the the different things that are happening in in publishing.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. A lot of changes for sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, thank you again. <laughs> thank Debbie you for having you. me today. I yeah. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you, Rita. Yeah, <laughs> I know how busy
1: you are. So God bless you and all you're putting your hands to. Keep it up. <laughs> thank,
2: thank you. you.
0: That was Debbie Laser here on Mind Matters. I'm Richard Beatty, and uh, thank you so much for listening. Please uh, stay in touch. Uh, write to Rita at rita.schulte.com, and uh, you can find some great renewable resources there at uh, rita.schulte.com. That's S C H U L T E. And uh, also, um, very happy to announce that we are starting a new ministry called. Mind Matters Ministry, and you can give to the ministry, which also uh, supports uh, this broadcast as well, and also this podcast. So we thank you. Uh, We wish you a very happy Thanksgiving, and uh, we will see you next week.